And while you're being seated, you can go to your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 24. Chapter 24. And I want to talk to us a little bit. Anybody all ever heard of the chest of Joash? Have you ever seen that and studied out? There's a lot of important biblical principles that the children of God can learn about how God operates his kingdom and how he blesses and how he uses those in the kingdom to do the work that he wants to do. Joash, in case you don't know, was one of the kings of the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. And he was one of the few good kings, godly kings. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to give you a little bit of Old Testament here that'll help you understand the Old Testament. How many of you sometimes get mixed up with this? The kingdom of Judah, the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. How can it be two kingdoms and they both be Israel? And you can never totally and perfectly understand the Old Testament until you get these and understand what happened. The kingdom of Israel, the first king was Saul. That was the first time they had a king in the, the age of kings in the history of the Old Testament people of God, Israel. And Saul was chosen by the people, and he became king, but he disobeyed God, didn't honor the Lord. And disobedience always brings consequences. And so the Lord took the kingdom from Saul and gave it to David. And just as Saul was disobedient and wouldn't do the will of God. David, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart and he did do the will of God. Doesn't mean he didn't sin. We all know he sinned with Bathsheba and conspired to try to cover it up, but David's heart was to do the will of God and David repented and God restored the kingdom But he had consequences. The sword never left his family for the rest of his life. And he had all kinds of things happened. He lost his son, who was his, probably the pick that he would have gave the kingship to. And then Solomon was the next king after David. And Solomon was a good king, but he made some mistakes. He was the wisest man, the Bible says, in the Bible next to Jesus. But he wasn't wise as you would think he would be because he did some things he wasn't supposed to do. He married some inappropriate women. As a matter of fact, he wasn't that wise because he had 700 wives and 300 porcupines. (laughs) Concubines. So it matters who you marry, boys. It matters. Because some of those women he married from pagan kingdoms and they had idolatrous beliefs and they walked, they walked with the false gods and they influenced him in his own old age and he turned from God. He got out the will of God and he let them influence him and Solomon, believe it or not, worshipped the Baal gods, the false gods. Now he repented and God forgave him. It's just like he'll forgive you today. But there were still consequences for him as a leader And though because God had promised David that his lineage, there would never be a man from his blood that would sit on the throne of Israel that would lead all the way up to Christ. 
he honored that promise to David, but the consequences was that God allowed the kingdom to be divided. And I want to show you something. The divided kingdom, there's the northern kingdom of Israel, and there's the southern kingdom of Judah. From the time you leave the time of the kingship of Solomon. When the kingdom divided, Rehoboam was the son of Solomon and he was given the kingship, but he didn't do good and he, he, he caused the kingdom to split. And another one who didn't have an heirship, no right to the kingdom, named Jeroboam, convinced 10 of the tribes of Israel to go with him. And they split. There was a civil war, you could even say, to where the northern tribes of Asher, Dan, Ephraim, Gad, Ishkar, Manasseh, Naphtali, Reuben, Simeon, and Zebulon went with this dude. He wasn't a king named Jeroboam. Not only did he set up a false throne, but he set up a false worship. He made the capital there in Samaria. He set up an idol worship system. He set up a false priesthood. He did what he didn't have the right to do. And they were never blessed of God. The only people who stayed in Jerusalem was Judah and Benjamin. And they became the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. How many of you knows this already? Because if you never knew this, you will never understand the Old Testament. And so I want you to think about this. When they split, Israel, the northern kingdom, had 19 kings. You can read about it in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Never did they have a good godly king. Every one of them was wicked, evil, and led those 10 tribes into idolatry, false worship, and the wrath of God was upon them. He never blessed them. Judah, the southern kingdom, had 20 kings. 12 were bad. Eight were good kings. And out of those eight, Five were godly. Joash was one of those godly kings. They are called the revival kings. They brought revival into a troubled kingdom that was spiritually dead. And because they were spiritually not right with God, they were no longer blessed and prospered the other ways of God. And they were in despair and they were in trouble. And these kings would come along and they'd call on God and they'd bring a time of restoration and renewal and revival and that's what Joash was one of those kings. So what are you saying here, preacher? I'm saying that you can be good and not be godly. But you can never be godly and not be good. There's lots of people in the church today in this season of the kingdom work who are good, but they're not godly. What I'm saying is they're good people. They love the Lord. They believe in the Lord. But they're not spiritually. They're not connected to the Lord to where... They are like the Lord and like-minded of the Lord and they have a heart to do what the Lord wants them to do. They want to go to heaven, but they don't want to serve the king while they're here and be faithful and obedient. And so I want you to understand something. The days in our lives, we're saved by grace. We're forgiven through the cross. But when we're disobedient and we live outside the will of God, there's consequences for you and your marriage and your family and our churches. We're all saved. We're part of the kingdom. 
But that doesn't give you freedom to go live however you want and enjoy the benefits of the king. And so I want you to kind of listen to me this morning. I'm going to be showing us some very important biblical principles that we need to know if we're going to be part of the kingdom work as Bethany Baptist Church. And we're going to see God involve us in what he wants to do in this day and this time as Jesus has not stopped his program of evangelizing and saving souls and discipling people and making them into Jesus-like people so that he can use us for his glory and for the benefit of our communities. And so as you begin to look at this story here to kind of get you going about what's happening, it was hard times in Israel. They'd have a succession of some ungodly kings and a king named Ahaziah was king and he was married to a woman named Athaliah. Athaliah was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Now, how many of you know who they are? They're chief of the no good kings. And this was the daughter of Jezebel and Ahab. And Ahaziah, a southern king, I don't know why, married her, along with other wives like most kings did. Well, Ahaziah wasn't blessed of God, and God allowed him to be killed. And he died without an heir from Athaliah. So she was no longer going to be queen mother. So you know what she did? She commenced to killing every other son of her husband, Athaliah, so that she could remove the royal line and be queen mother. And as she began to do that, there was an old aunt to Joash who was an infant. And he was the son of Ahaziah. He was the only one who had a rightful reign of the succession of the Davidic, David line of the kings that would lead to Jesus. And she would have killed him, but this lady named Jehoshabeth took him and hid him with his nursemaid. She was married to the high priest named Jehadiah. You're going to meet him. He was a godly priest. And they took him and hid him in the house of God where they lived. And Athaliah took the throne and became the queen. And she was the queen for six years. And she destroyed everything. She took her Baal worshipers and led them into the, 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 the temple. They destroyed the temple. They took all the gold and silver utensils that were sanctified and made holy to serve the Lord and to do the offerings and they used them for Baal and sold them and she just desecrated and destroyed everything that the temple stood for the honor and glory of God and at seven years Jehoiada the high priest his uncle took Joash and he went and showed him to the rest of the Levites and he showed him to the other high priest. And he made a covenant. He said, this is the true king. He's the only one who has the right to the throne. Now, I want you to know how important this was. If Joash would have died, we'd have lost the lineage to our Messiah, Jesus. Jesus had to come from David. Joash was the last one. So this young baby, this young boy has been raised by this godly old priest named Jehoiada. And we pick up our story. And it starts in verse 1 of chapter 24. 
Joash was seven years old when he became king. And he reigned 40 years. His mother's name was Zabiah of Bathsheba. And I want you to look at what it says in verse 2. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada, the priest. In the king's event of this, it says, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Man, there ain't nothing like having an old godly uncle who's a true high priest, who loves God to influence you and instruct you. And that's what Joe Ash was raised up by that man. And all the days that Joadiah lived, Joash did right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, what did he do? Well, I want you to see this with me. We're going to read this out and we're going to pray and then we're going to dig in. It says, so Joadiah took two wives for him, for Joash, and he had sons and daughters. Look at verse 4, very important verse. Now it happened after this that Joash set his heart, though King Jim said he had a mind, to repair the house of the Lord. I don't know if you've noticed, but the house of God needs repairing today. It ain't what the Bible says it's supposed to be. We're playing around. Souls are dying and going to hell that could have been saved if we'd be about the business of our Father. And it's time to repair and restore and raise up again as the people of God and represent our king unashamedly, without fear, boldly call on the name of Jesus just like this man, put his life on the line. If Athaliah would have caught him with that baby, she'd have not only killed the baby, she'd have killed him and his whole house. But he did what it took to accomplish the kingdom's work. And I want you to see as we go ahead and finish it out. Then he gathered the priests and the Levites. That's who were in charge of the temple. They have the temple back now. It's been seven years since Athaliah has been removed. And now it's back to normal business as usual. They're back in control of the temple. Church is good. And it says, then he gathered the priests and the Levites, and he said to them, go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all of Israel money to repair the house of your God. From year to year and see that you do it quickly. However, the Levites did not do it quickly. So the king called Jehoiada, the chief of priests, and he said to him, Why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judah and from Jerusalem the collection according to the commandment of the Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the assembly of Israel for the tabernacle of witness? And what he's talking about is Moses told the people of Israel in his day, to give an offering to keep the tabernacle working and operating. Friends, the church can't operate on manna. The church operates on God's giving principles. And God's principle, according to the Bible, is that his kingdom work, the temple, and now the church operates on the tithes and offerings from the people of God to continue the work and to keep the kingdom working. That's the biblical truth. And that's what the Levites and the priests lived on. They were, they were the only tribe who had no responsibility to work, to do anything for them, but to serve the temple. And so they didn't do it. 
There's lots of reasons you can wonder why they didn't. We're going to look at those in a minute. And so it says, so the king called Jehoadad. He didn't do it. Verse 7, for the sons of Athaliah, that wicked woman, had broken into the house of God and had also presented all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord to the Baals. Verse 8, then at the king's command, they made a chest and set it outside at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness, which was given to keep the temple and keep it going. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced. They brought their contributions and they put them into the chest until all had given. So it was at that time when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites and when they saw that there was much money that the king's scribe and the high priest officers came and emptied the chest. And they took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. Then the king and Jehoiada, not the Levites, not all the other priests, the king and the chief priest, the high priest, Jehoiada, gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. And we're going to stop here at 13 and pray. So the workmen labored, and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of God to its original condition, but not only did they restore it to its original condition, they reinforced it. They made it better than before. Let us pray. Father in heaven, help us today to see that to those who have been given much, much is required, that with blessings comes burdens, but they're not burdens that bring brokenness and shame. They're burdens that we carry for the glory of God to see all more blessings. And Lord, I thank you for these principles we're about to look at. And I know they worked in my life. I see them work in the church. And I pray today that we will, as the people of God, honor you as we learn these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Joash was a good king. Out of five kings out of 19, he was one of the revival kings. Not only did they restore the temple and reinforce it, but they restored the worship. They, bought, they had extra money at the end of this, you're going to see. So they didn't just say, oh, well, we got extra money. Let's put it in the bank and save it for troubled times. No, Jehoiada said, no, we also need all new implements. We need all new gold and silver offerings so that we can properly worship God. So they went and completely restocked the whole um, temple with all new gold and silver offering instruments for the priest. And the Bible says, and they blessed God and they worshiped God. And it says offerings were given daily for the whole time Jehoiada was high priest. They were blessing God. And it never was a shortness to bless God. And friends, you know today, what is he known for as a good priest? I just read it to you. He was minded to repair the house of God. He's seen the house of God. The church wasn't what it's supposed to be. 
when he looked at biblically and he looked at the Old Testament and Moses and what he had said, they were not what they were supposed to be. And so he said, I have it on my heart. What put it on his heart? God. God wants his church to flourish. God wants his church to prosper. He wants his church to be a witness and a testimony of his faithfulness and what he can do. He doesn't want the church to settle for surviving and just getting by like we have done. He wants us to think that with him all things are possible and every promise that he ever made from Genesis to Revelations is real and can happen today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What if he could do it then? He can do it now. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the one who owns the kingdom. And when we honor the kingdom and we serve the king, he will provide wherever he leads us to go. We are so afraid. We're so putting our trust in the wrong things. And friends, I want you to think about this this morning. He went to the Levites. It was their job. It was their responsibility. And the priest. And he said, look, I know we're back in business and Athaliah's out of business and the Baals are gone and we've tore down her idols and her false worship. And we got the kingdom back and we got the temple back, but the temple is in bad shape. It needs to be restored and repaired. I want you to go out and ask the people for an offering. Now, they were getting the offering that kept them serving the tithes and offerings was coming to the king, I mean to the priest and the Levites. The Levites didn't do it. He said, go do it quickly. But they never did. I would wonder why. And you know, I would think maybe it was just because they were complacent like many of us today. They were accustomed to what they had and had grown used to this being what they were. I know the temple ain't what it used to be, but it's still better than Athaliah. I know the church ain't what it could be, but at least we're not out of business yet. We can still come and hear a preacher that we want to hear and listen to music. But is the church truly restored and revived and filled with the Holy Spirit and fire of God to where it's making a difference in our days for the kingdom and for this world that's lost and dying and going to hell? And we need to be serious today because... We play church more than we are church. And friends, I want you to think about this. He sent them out. That was their job, the priests and Levites, but none of them went. None of them did anything. They just stayed at the church. He goes back and tells the high priest, Jehoiada, why ain't they doing it? And Jehoiada probably told him, well, he gave them some reasons. I can tell you why some of them did it. If we go ask them to give that money, they might not give us our money. If we spend all that money on this temple we might not get our money that keeps us comfortable and safe i'm not saying that's what happened but it sure can be a problem in the church i'm here to tell you when you hear somebody tell you that we need money in case we run into trouble they're telling you we plan on getting out the will of god because if you're in the will of god 
doing what God wants you to do, and you're about serving him and accomplishing and bringing forth the kingdom agenda, you're not going to have hard times. You're going to have hard times. The devil's going to come at you. You're going to get attacked. But one thing you're not going to be is broke without. Because whatever you need to accomplish what he wants you to do, he will supply or we need to get out of the church business today. And friends, the Levites didn't do it. So did he give up? Well, them deacons won't do it. They're against this plan. God gave it on my heart. He put it on my heart. He gave me a mind to repair the church, to bring the church forward. He gave me, he's putting it on my heart every day. He's burdened me. And I got to help the church to understand the vision. But we don't want to do anything more than be comfortable. Laodicea, lukewarm. And friends, I don't know if you noticed, but churches are dying. And America's dying. And they need to see a true work of the living God. And it takes sacrifice, provision of God's people for that to happen. So what did he do? He went and got him a chest. A chest that they called the chest of Joash. And he told Joadiah, go drill a hole in it. And it says in 2 Kings 12 that Joadiah, the high priest, drilled a Hole in it, and he put a lock on it. And I imagine the only one had a key to that lock was him and Joash. And they sat it at the temple door when you came in at the right. And they didn't ask for the temple offering. They just asked you to put money in there to rebuild the temple. You see, it's my opinion that sometimes the people of God want to bring the church forward more than the leaders of God. And I've seen that. But so he bypassed them and he repaired, prepared a chest. Let's look at what happened. Not only did they repair a chest, they proclaimed what they needed people to do. You see, I think we do without because preachers are afraid to ask y'all. I don't know about y'all, God bless me and I love blessing back. God's been given to me and since I got saved, man, I got more than I've ever had and make less than we made when we both worked figure that out but I want you to see what it says right here verse 8 then at the king's command they made a chest and they set it outside at the gate of the house of the Lord where everybody would see it when they came in and then they made a proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem that proclamation didn't come from a Levite it didn't come from a priest it came from the king and the, they made him and Jehoiada the proclamation throughout Judea and Jerusalem to bring the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, had imposed on Israel in the wilderness when he said, we need to have a tabernacle, the tent of meeting. We need money to build it. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced. They didn't get mad. They didn't say, oh, that preacher does is preach money. And by the way, I checked my preacher. I've been here five years on the 15th. This is the fifth sermon I've preached on money. I don't preach on money unless you got to, unless God leads me to. But if you don't like to hear about money, you better leave this book alone because it's in there everywhere, my friend, about money. Jesus said, you can't have two masters or you'll hate one and serve the other. You can't serve God and money. Jesus said that. And I want you to think about this. Then all the leaders and all the people rejoiced, brought their contributions and gave them into the chest until all had given. So it was at that time... 
when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites. That, well, they had the chest. They knew it was heavy. They brought it to his official and said, hey, I believe you're about out of room, old king. They've been putting it in there. And when they saw that there was much money that the king scribed, that's his personal secretary, and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and returned it to its place. Thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance. The king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters and everything that they needed to repair the house of the Lord. And then not only did he prepare a chest, he restored the temple and reinforced it, my friend, to not only its original condition, but above and beyond what anybody could even think and hope to ask for. Because our God is good all the time when we're faithful, when we're obedient. He blesses obedience every time and he punishes disobedience every time. You can write it down. It's like gravity. It's a law you cannot escape whatever a man sows he shall reap thus says God and friends listen we can reap good that principle ain't only bad we hear whatever man sows he's going to reap we automatically look at it as bad hey man if you sow good you're going to reap good so he says do not lose heart in doing good for in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart and quit so keep sowing good, and sooner or later, good is coming. Friend, I want to tell you something. Church work will wear you out. Kingdom works hard. That's why so few people do it. Jesus said this about us, what I'm talking about, serving the kingdom. I ain't talking about playing church and building you a little church that you like, a little weekend hobby. That ain't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a church that threatens hell, that invades America, that honors the king and builds a kingdom. You charge forward. Jesus said anybody having taken hold of that plow and looking back is not fit for his kingdom. I don't know if you ever grew a garden. Thank God we got tillers. We got tractors now. But friends, plowing ain't the best part, especially when you was behind an old mule. Nobody likes to plow, but everyone loves to harvest. Amen? But friends, you got to plow for a long time. Then you got to plant. You got to plant. And when you plant, you got to give up something. you got to give up what you already harvested to believe you're going to get a better harvest. And you take what you could eat and you put it in the ground, believing in the faithfulness and provision of God. And then you water it. And then you fertilize it. And you cultivate it. And you wait. And God makes it grow. And one day, after a lot of work and a lot of plowing and a lot of heart waiting, you get a harvest. And we wonder why we ain't getting a harvest when we ain't trusting and believing. Friends, I want to show you something. It'd be easy to say, well, this was a special king. He was so godly. The only reason he was godly and good was because he had influence from somebody who was godly. You know, it's hard to be godly without help. In fact, I believe it's impossible. But I want you to think of this with me. Joash was a good king, but Jehoiada was a godly priest. Joash would have never been the good king he was and accomplished the godly things that God did through him if he hadn't had Jehoiada, who was the most godliest man you'll ever find in this Bible, 
to influence him, to instruct him. As a matter of fact, when Jehoiada died, Joash went bad. At the end of his life, he was killed by his own servants. God took his hand off of him. Now, he was still classified as a revival king because God used him to bring revival. And if he could use somebody like Joash, who had influence from a godly leader who would instruct him and tell him what to do, he can do it with any of us if we'll just listen to the word. You'll listen to the godly people who put around you and over you to lead you and do what they want them to do. Friends, as you begin to look at this with me a little more, it says in verse 14, when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money. There was more money left. They didn't put it in a CD. They didn't put it in a savings account. Ooh, boy, we got extra money now. We'll be comfortable. We got it running waiting for a good hard times. No. God don't give us money to comfort us. He don't give us money to, to keep us safe. He gives us money to invest in him and his people. Money is a tool. And if you think money is what keeps you safe, that's your God. And that makes you mad, take it up with Jesus. That's why the church in America is dying. We are surviving. We look at our bank accounts. This is what we got. We got to keep this. Can't spend that because this is what keeps us going. This is what will keep our doors open. Who wants to keep the doors open if we're dead and ain't reaching nobody and ain't bringing glory to God? I'd rather put it all on the feet of Jesus, trust in him and die trying than sitting here playing church and religion like the church has begun to do. I know this don't sound good, but it's the truth. If you go around looking with me, I'll show you. And friends, listen. Joash was good, but he was godly because Jehoiada was put in his life by God. And anybody that's of God is going to tell you it ain't about us. It ain't about our temple. It ain't about our church. It ain't about a parking lot. It ain't about getting a new building. It's about reaching more people for God. It's about getting more sinners saved. It's about building something that when people ride by, they say that redneck and that bunch that follows him down there could have never done that without a God that blessed them. They got wisdom from somewhere because he's dumb as a sack of rocks. If you try to talk to him, he can't even remember your name half the time. But when God gets a hold of him, something happens to him. And when God gets a hold of you, something will happen too. So I'm here to tell you our God is real. He can take normal, ordinary people and turn us into people who are not only good, but are godly, who can make a difference. Because, friends, America is in trouble because the church is in trouble. Now, I want you to think about this. They didn't just build their building. So the workmen, when they had finished, verse 14, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Judah, and they made from it articles for the house of the Lord, articles for serving, offering spoons, vessels of gold. See, that's what we need to do with the money. We need to use it for serving. We need to use it for giving offerings. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehadiah. But then something happened. Verse 15, but Jehadiah grew old and was full of days and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. I want you to look where they buried him. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings. 
I looked, I may be wrong because the Bible's big and vast and there's a lot of places, I, but I can't find another, king, another priest that was buried there. Only the good kings, only the godly kings got to be buried there. He's the priest and he buried him with the kings. Look at that. Because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and God's house, his church. Now, after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah, that's them Levites and them other priests, came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. He ain't got Jehoiada no more. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord of God to their fathers, and they served wooden images and idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Friends, I'm telling you, you can't have it both. You either can have God or you can have that, but you can't have it both. And look at what happens. Yet he sent prophets to them. He sent preachers, just like I am today, to them, bringing them back to the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not listen. I'm here today to tell you that church as we know it is not always what it's supposed to be. There's more to it than just coming and hearing a sermon. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehadiah, the priest who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you transgress the commandments of God so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. So what did they do? They conspired against him and stoned him to death in the temple. Jehoadah, who blessed them, the most godly priest you could find, they killed his son because he told them the truth. And God keeps blessing them. There's other revival kings down through the ages of these kingships. What am I telling you? It's important who you get your instruction from. It's important who you listen to. And it's even more important who you trust and put your hope in. Friends, I want you to see. God sent an army of Syrians against them. Little bitty army, what nothing to them. And he wiped out the whole army of Judah. And because the people were mad, it says in verse 24, for the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, but the Lord delivered a very great army into their hand. He let Israel get their butts whooped, or Judah because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. Are you tired of getting our butts whooped as the church? Because if you've been in ministry long with me, and you be honest, we get our butts whipped far more than we should as the children of God. But I want you to look at this. Because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. Look at the bottom of verse 24. So they executed judgment against Joash. Here's Joash. Man, he's the hero. He built them the new building. He restored it. Now they executed judgment. And when they had withdrawn from him, for they left him severely wounded, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the sons of Jehoiada, the priest. See, God, he always protects his faithful. And they killed him on his bed. So he died, and I want you to notice where he was buried or where he was not buried. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tomb of the king. Jehoadah got buried in the place of honor. Joash didn't take away with what he accomplished. He brought revival. He restored the church, but he fell and turned from God and listened to the idolaters. And so he was buried in a place of shame, not with the kings. What are you telling me all this for, preacher? 
Because every day we have a choice of what we're going to do. The Bible says Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Joadiah the priest instructed him. You see, there's a lot of people today, that the last thing they want to do is get in a church that instructs them. <laughs> they want a church that pets them, that scratches that itch, that tickles their ear, but never confronts them to have to change. If preaching don't cause you to have to change, you ain't hearing the word of God. If it don't force you to have to make a decision, you ain't been preached to. And sometimes it's hard to choose. Joshua said, I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You know what Joadiah did? The greatest thing he did was not that he partnered with Joash to put a chest out that was used by God's people to fill with the money to build what God needed to build to accomplish what he wanted to do in his temple. No, the greatest thing he did was in the chapter before when he began to plan to take and make Joadiah the, the king and to unsurp and dethrone and eventually behead, praise God, Athaliah. He groped all the people together after Athaliah had been taken away, after they went and destroyed her false temple and the worship that they did to Baal. And look at what it says. Then Joadiah, this is in the chapter before, go read it when you get home, made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king, King Joash, that they should be the Lord's people. I want to ask you a question. What would happen? If Bethany Baptist Church made a covenant today that we should be the Lord's people. That's, we're his. He's our king. And we make a covenant to do what our king wants to do. You see, you've never heard anything like this because most preachers are afraid you're going to leave, that it's too hard, friends. That's why the churches or dissatisfied and looking and jumping from church to church. Friends, I'm going to tell you what would happen if we made God our king and we became his people. We would be like them people. They didn't get upset about putting money in that box. They counted it a joy. They, they, they brought it with a cheerful heart. They never quit supporting the Levites and the priests in the temple, but when they came to church, they'd see that chest sitting there and they'd put a little money in it. This thing's going to be here. I'm going to leave it here till that parking lot's finished. That parking lot, if you've seen, we got dirt broke. Some of you said, we don't need no parking lot. I doubt that's even of God. Well, let me tell you how we got to where we are. I came here, the great church, good people. We good. I love y'all. Everybody here's good. Good to me, good to my wife, good to the community. And I begin to share, and we begin to see things happening. And the first thing that I began to see when I began to see how God was working and what we was working against well, somebody gave us $5,000 to get a new sign. And we said, well, if we're going to get a new sign, let's not just get any sign. Let's get a good sign. Let's get a sign when people ride by. They say, man, wonder how them rednecks got that sign. When we got that sign, I kid you not, I was living in the Parsonage, Jonathan. I was getting phone calls. I said, man, I moved out here in the country to get away from all this neon lights. You lighten us up like Las Vegas. Turn it down. I said, go back and tell them to shut your blinds. 
Because when people ride by, they need to see that this is where God's church is at. This is where God's people live. And this place belongs to Jesus. And so we need a sign that looks like this place belongs to Jesus. Can you get an amen with me? And we took that 5000 that someone generously gave. People told me, we can't do it. It's just much, too much. We can't afford it. Told them on a Sunday, the next Sunday we had the money. $17,000, we had that sign. We run out of room. We were growing. We got filled up in there. It was hard. Y'all remember it, those of you who were here? We was in that little sanctuary back there. And I said, man, we got to grow. We can do two services in there or we can move out here. It's going to take some money. We figured it up. We bought a, a team of leaders and pulled our wisdom. And we went and got counseling. And we brought a plan back to the church. And it, we said it's going to cost about $75,000. But we're going to get these kind of chairs. We're going to get a good sound system. And we're going to convert this and make it look like the best we can for what we can afford but we're not going to skimp or we're not doing, we're going to do the best. And we made it into what you see here. And before we had the pandemic, we come out here and, buddy, we was running 150, 130s. It was packed. Y'all remember the sardine days? Man, it was good. Last Sunday, I got reminded we had 184 people in here, my friend. Felt good, didn't it? It didn't look bad today. But I'm not here just for not looking bad. I want it to be to where we're out of room again. Not for me, but for Jesus, because people's hitting saved. They're hearing the word of God. Friends, listen, we can fill this up, and we should fill it up, because there's potential here. There's lost sinners everywhere. You rode around this neighborhood lately? Everywhere you go, there's people who need Jesus, not church. They need to hear what the word of God tells us. And so we moved in here. Man, the day we was going to take our offering to see what we came up with, I had told the church, I said, man, I got good news, I got bad news. The good news is that God told me we got the money. The bad news is it's in y'all's banks. <laughs> Somebody came in, and they're not here no more, come in my office. I was already, I'm scared. I mean, it's scary for me to tell y'all this stuff, but I believe in my God. And so I trust him. And I'm sitting in my office praying, I got to go in there. I hope we get a good offering, Lord. I, I, I laid it out today. I, I, I taught your principles. I told them the truth. Lord, I know you're going to be faithful, but I'm doubting because I'm a stinking sinner. And then here comes another stinking sinner. Preacher, you just overdid it today. You've put a burden on us that you're going to regret. You're going to disappoint everybody, and we're all going to get discouraged. I said, shut up in the name of Jesus and get out of my office. And then when he left, I'm like, oh, Jesus, he's right. (laughs) What have I done? And I went out there. Two months we moved in here paid for. And guess what? It's been way more than $75,000. We bought $5,000 drums the other day. Why? Because we want this to sound as good as we can possibly make it sound for Jesus first and also for people to come so that when we're here, we're able to just worship God as best we can. Friends, we were out of room and we were having parking issues before pandemic hit. Last Sunday, if you noticed, there was parking issues beginning. If that happens every Sunday, we needed a parking lot. Guess what? We were just talking about it, the leadership. Man, we're going to have to figure out parking. We need to park. We were going to put it back here, but we need to save that in case we've got to build another building. What are we going to do? All of a sudden, little lady, Miss Bess, she just calls up one of our deacons and said, hey, I found out that piece of property behind there. I got it for y'all. I'm going to give it to you. She gave us that big old piece of property that you see out there all smooth. It was all full of trees, growed up, could barely bush hog it. Man, we having a car show. Robert DeLude is here. He's like, 
Yeah, y'all need more parking, preacher. Y'all out of room. This car show could grow. You could get a lot more people here. I said, man, someone just gave us this, and we want to make a parking lot out of it. He said, well, why ain't you? So, well, we got to get it cleared. We just got it. I'll clear it for you. What? He shows up with equipment, cleared it, had it all done, wouldn't even take diesel money. Y'all tell me that ain't God? Now God's got us here. Pandemic hit. We had a price we thought we could afford to blacktop that thing, and then the pandemic hit, and we got delayed, and the crowds were down. But I tell you what, it's looking pretty good this morning. I think we on the we are being revived. We're being restored. We on the move again for the kingdom of God. If you don't believe that? Then you're at the wrong place. You're going to be uncomfortable because that's what God wants us to do. And guess what? The man that was going to blacktop it, we called him, and said we can't afford to blacktop the whole thing now. We know it's going to be higher, but we, could we just get half done? He said, if y'all do the whole thing, I'll give it to you at the same price. So he gave it to us pre-Joe Biden inflation price. And I said it because he did it. And I pray for Joe Biden. God knows I'm telling the truth. But that's God. And so this is where we are now. Uh-oh. This thing's got to move again. Oh, Lord. We're fixing to get out of here, I promise. This is the most big thing I've been building up to. Come on, Jesus. Why ain't it going on there? Did, did you take it off when you moved it? Yep, they took it off. Oh, Lord, don't fool with my things no more. <laughs> took me and Jesus three days to make that. But anyway, I want to show you where we are. And I'm going to show you what God's put on my heart. I know we're going over a little bit, but hell's eternal. It's $105,000 to blacktop that and have it finished. We got $75,809 already because of the goodness of people who's given and because of money through wide stewardship, wide stewardship that we had. And we got a, a money market fund. And I'm okay with using that whole money market fund to get blacktop for we can... Get more people. I'd rather see it in blacktop where souls can be saved and people can park and people can come and sitting in a money market account making not enough money that you'd even buy a good steak dinner with. And so we invested. But we've already only need 29, so there's 9,000 going to stay in there. But guys, listen, that money ain't for a rainy day so you can feel safe. That money's for the next step in building this church for the glory of God. And we don't want to stay in here. We come in here to be temporary. If you was here with Brother Sam last night and after putting on a wonderful banquet, had to put all this back together so that we can meet today, you'd be praying for a new fellowship hall right back there. So where we could set it up and have all kinds of banquets, all kinds of fellowship meals. Eat, eat be like the, 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 the children in the wilderness. We could have potluck dinners till it comes out your nose and you tell Jesus, I don't want no more, Amen. Because it would not be a hindrance like it is now. It's hard to do kids' ministry. We've got to tear down chairs. We've got to put tables up. But we'll be here in the morning, me and some men, we'll be tearing them down, putting tables out for Wednesday night meal to reach kids. And friends, listen, it's working because we baptized a whole bunch of them last week if you didn't see it. But friends, I want you to think about it. I don't want to have to tear down chairs the rest of the time we're here. We've got needs to move forward. So what do we do? We don't quit giving the maintenance money that keeps, maintains the work, the tithes and offerings, that's what God gives us. And guys, I want you to understand something. We do not take offerings here. We receive offerings. If we've got to take it, we don't want it. We receive it. It's a blessing. 
You give an offering for the glory of God with a generous heart, and God multiplies it. And so we're going to have a box. It's called the, the, the chest of Joash. As a matter of fact, I got a check, and I got some of my seed money, and this is not my pledge, and it sure ain't my tithe, but I'm going to be the first one to put it in here. I didn't have a lock on it, and I said, surely they wouldn't look in there. without." First thing I looked, Stephen's like, what is this? Is this the Ark of the Covenant? I said, you look in there again, you're going to be cursed of God. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave that thing locked. I'm going to sit it over there on that table, and you do what you want to do. I, this is free will. It's up to you and Jesus, but I don't want you to put the tithe in there because that's what helps us to keep staff and do work and pay for kids' ministry and buy meals and do the things we do to reach people. But whatever you got, whatever God tells you, put it in there. And when they get through with that park lot and they said, we need you to pay us, we're going to open it right here and dump it out. And we're going to celebrate and see how good our God is. And you know what I'm believing? I don't believe if we really believe in Jesus and we obedient, we'd have to use any of that money marking account. But that money marking account is not to keep us safe in a rainy day. Because if we do what God wants, we won't have them. That seed money to build the building after we get to the parking lot, it's coming, friend. We don't think it and believe it, it'll never happen. And the reason it don't happen in most churches is they don't believe, they don't think. And friends, I'm here to tell you that we can do it. We've talked to people. We've had a contractor and an architect out here. And it's a doable thing. If we could get 180 people coming every week, we'd be breaking dirt back there next soon. Amen? And friends, think about it. When people ride by, they look at that, and they say, look what God's doing there. I'm going to see what's going on here. And I don't know about y'all, God's here. I don't know why, but he's here. I've pastored three churches. I'm telling you, he's here. <laughs> why? He wants to do something more than just survive and hope you can make it through troubled times. He wants us to confront troubled times in the name of Jesus and say, victory is mine. In the name of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you this morning before we leave, would you stand with me today and make a covenant with our God to be his people? It's a serious thing to do. But if we stood together and said, Lord, we want to be your people, and we want you to be our God, if you'll lead us, we'll follow. If you'll show us, we'll obey. Hell's in trouble. This community will be changed because the light will be here. And I'm telling you, there's people looking for this everywhere. Do you want it? Well, I'm going to ask you this morning, would you stand with me in Jesus? I'm going to pray. You might already feel led to come and put some money in there. This is the Joash, chest of Joash. This is for the building of the house of God. This is to put towards God's work in his kingdom. And what we'll do, we'll do it until we get the parking lot done and we get it finished, we see what we got. And then the next time there's a need, we'll break out the old chest of Joash. I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to shut up. I didn't get this idea completely by God, so I don't think I'm that spiritual. But a church back where I came from in Mississippi in Meridian named Northcrest Baptist Church had an old godly preacher, took that church with 50 members, grew it into thousands. They built a big old extravagant. I mean, it's a worship center. It's a temple to the glory of God. And they was in debt. 
And the bigger you get, the more it takes to operate. So they couldn't afford to, to, to add. They was just paying that monthly note. They were making it, and they were doing the work of God. But that old man, Brother Malcolm Lewis, he said, we got to get out from under this debt. We're under the bondage of the lender. And we need to be free. And he taught them this, and they took that. Brother Danny Lanier was the on-staff evangelist then. And he said he could remember going by there with his little kids. And they'd say, Daddy, can I put the money in the chest of Joash? And his little kids would put that money in there. They got that church out of that debt. And I'm talking about big debt with the chest of Joash. Just six years ago, while I was still there, they grew. And they went from 40. They got a, they got a godly youth pastor. And I believe we got one. Amen. And I'm not, I don't want you to say, we, we got one here. That him and Hannah, they love the Lord. They blessed. We're going to see them blessed. But they went from 40 to 150 youth. They had an old parsonage at the back of the parking lot that they had converted into a youth building, and they couldn't fit them. Brother Danny broke out the chest of Joash. He said, we spent every penny we got on staff, ministry, and doing the work of God. But we got to have room for these youth. They out of room, folks. This got us out of trouble once. It can give us a youth building. They got a youth building now. Paid for. Never underestimate what God can do with people who say, Lord, we covenant with you to be your children. He will bless us if we let him. And I'm going to ask you to be generous just for this time until maybe again. <laughs> but for now, I'm telling you, God will bless. Maybe you need to be saved today. You don't understand all this. It's hard to understand when you ain't got Jesus. Jesus died for you. That's why I'm not ashamed to ask you to give back to him. And he's worthy. He will save you today. If you need to be saved, you come sit right here on this front pew. All we're going to do is show you how to know you're saved and be saved by the grace of God. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing all of this, so that people can be saved and get to hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins. I'm going to pray. I know it's longer, but it, it, it took a lot more. But I'm going to pray. If you want to on the way out, Next Sunday, it'll be sitting there. I give you my word. No one will open it or look in it. God's my witness till we all look in it together when that parking lot's through, and we'll see where we are and what God has done. Would you pray with me? Father, I just come before you in the name of Jesus to thank you for a good, loving church of godly people, people who are good. And, Lord, we can all be made better good by being more godly. So help us and give us grace. Touch our hearts. Lord, I want to see you glorified here more than anything. And I want to see this place filled not with other church members, but with unchurched lost sinners who come in and don't even know what it's like to be in a church. And Lord, I pray we'll be that kind of church that will love them and welcome them. We won't judge them. We'll just show them the one who judged them when he gave his own life on the cross, Jesus. Lord, bless this time. Bless this chest of Joash. I know you got this. 